0: Brew Strong is brought to you by Blickman Engineering, home of the top-tier brewing stand. Visit them online at BlickmanEngineering.com.
1: Brewers, it's time for the beer radio you've been looking for. This is the show that dispels myths, tackles the toughest topics, and makes no apologies for geeking out on beer. Hosted by two guys that drink before they think, Jamil chef and John Palmer. This is Brew Strong.
2: Greetings, greetings. Hey, howdy, hey, my brewing brothers and sisters. Well, I think we got things backwards. What the heck? <laughs> What's going on? We've switched minds. We did a mind meld between shows. And... <laughs> well, that's better than the time we switched underwear. That yeah, that was yeah. really disturbing. Yeah. Yeah. I was swimming in those things.
3: <laughs> Are you talking about the liquid nature of them or the, the size?
2: <laughs> uh, your pick. <laughs> my peck my peck no no oh, oh my
3: Oh no, no 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 no
2: my peck oh yeah, yeah yes
3: yeah it was it was the uh, voluminous nature of, of the crotch area of my underwear yeah it was
2: just yeah that was it huge
3: huge I tell you like a like a freaking acorn it was huge <laughs> well from the acorn the mighty oak grove oh, oh, gro- <laughs> Oh God! This show's already in the crapper, and we just started. Yeah, yeah. We'll have to. We'll just have to go up from here. Yeah, that's what three hours of drinking will do. Yeah, I was going to say yeah, it we, must
4: be the third show.
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, and and that's why we have quality sponsors like Blickman Engineering. They want a part of this demo as well. They they want us representing their fine product. Yeah, because uh, we're
5: a
2: top tier show. That's right. <laughs>
4: Nice work, Palmer. I like that. <laughs> nice, nice.
2: Uh, I'm not sure
3: Blickman will think so. No, he will. <laughs> He'll love it. There, yeah. I think. Uh, I think we can do no wrong. He's he's uh, he's a very kind guy. So uh, he sponsored the show. He he likes the show. He likes what we do. He he loves our listeners, and uh, I think he wants to you know help support things. So I'm not sure he's actually selling anymore. Uh, by sponsoring the show, but he certainly uh, he certainly learned a lot, earned a lot of fans just uh, just off of this because uh, yeah, he's paying for the show, so you guys don't have to if you're <clears> listening. <throat> so the very least you could do is send him an email. And I say this all the time, and people are shocked. They'll send an email. and They go, "Wow, he really you know he responded. He seemed really pleased." It's like yeah, most sponsors. Uh, they just want some sort of proof that somebody's listening, all right, so if you can just find it in your hearts to send somebody an email and say you know it's worth my time to send you this email it's worth you know thank you for sponsoring you know if i if I do buy something along these lines i'm going to consider your product that's all it takes you know they just want they just want a a chance and and again, I think blickman 's just doing it out of the kindness of of his heart if he makes any money off of it uh uh, so be it. But uh, one thing he is doing, he's paying for uh, uh, the Palmer, the Blickman, yeah. and uh, me, the douche, to come out and uh, hang with you while you brew on your own top-tier system. So the deal is, if you buy a top-tier system between now and the end of January of uh, 2011, this is 2010, in case you listening to the archives, and I still get people that contact me and say, hey, you talked about such-and-such in the show in, like, 2006 <laughs> – dude that kind of passed so I think we need to put dates and time stamps on everything we say now Mm -hmm. um uh, if you buy it before the uh, end of January 2011, and we, who knows, we may do this another year, but yeah. uh, you're in the drawing for us to come out to your location and uh, brew with you on your top-tier system, the three of us, and uh, it'll be a, a grand old time. You also have the the option, if you prefer, if you're the winner, you can choose to actually come out to my house. Brew on my top tier system with Palmer, Blickman, and myself. I'll even, uh, I'll, I'll do some barbecue. We'll do some bacon wrap stuff because Blickman's big into uh, the bacon wrap stuff. Yeah. And I did bacon wrap filet mignons the other day. Just fantastic. Yeah. So, uh, I'll do that. We'll, we'll, we'll have, uh, we'll have some good food. We'll have, uh, some beers. We'll have fun brewing on the top tier, which is a beautiful system. And then, uh, We'll we'll bring you down to the uh, Brewing Network Studios. You get to sit in the studios with us while uh, Palmer and I we do uh, Brew Strong, and uh, should be a good good time. So, if you're thinking about buying a a, a brew system, I suggest you make it a top tier, uh, and then you'll be just like the show. You'll be top tier. That's right, just like us. <laughs> just like us. <laughs>
4: Yeah, John took a marketing class since our last show. <laughs> I, I, I think so. I like it.
3: I think it's time for you to take over uh, mentioning the sponsors. Yeah, you do a much better job. I'll just sit here and drink. Look, look pretty. Okay. Uh, speaking of marketing, something um, I get, uh, as as you might know, I have a uh, Mister Multi pitching rate calculator. You can get it for free on Mister Multi dot com, uh, but it's web based, and you you got to go to the website to use it. If you want a, a, a version that's on your iPhone. Or iTouch or iPad, any of those, you can go to the Apple Store. You pick one up. It's four ninety four dollars ninety nine cents if if you want to buy it. Um, it. It's exactly the same formulas and gives you exactly the same data. It works in the same way. So uh, check it out if you uh, if you uh, care about picking that up. Uh, go for it. Uh, puts a few bucks in my pocket, and I certainly appreciate that. Uh, all right, so uh, Q and A show. We every third show we do a live Q and A show. If you want to uh, join in, uh, you get to thebrewingnetwork.com. dot com. We actually announce this on Facebook and Twitter, uh, either under the Brewing Network or uh, I also uh, tend to to do it as well on uh, Jamal Zanishef. Mm-hmm. So, friend us uh yeah. tweet us whatever whatever, you know, go to the Facebook or the Twitter and uh <laughs> help us on the internets and yep. and uh you go to the Brewing Network uh site, uh click on chat now, and you can jump in, you can chat with the other guys that are listening and guys and gals that are listening and uh ask questions. You can also call in, eight 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 four oh one beer and uh we'll take a wildly unscreened call. I'm I'm just like living dangerous
4: <laughs> <laughs> living crazy here in Pacheco. Right. Yeah, that's right. Well, and don't forget that uh, at any time, so you don't have to wait for the tweet or even be thinking about it. If you've got a brew question in the middle of your brew day, just hey. send an email to brewstrong at com, and uh, it always gets through also. And we may not get to it, you know, this episode, but we go through uh, all of them eventually. So, um, right. you know, well, we
6: try our if, best.
3: If you have a problem that you need answered right away, uh, just email me, Malty.com or com, and Palmer. Yeah, John at Howtabrew.com. dot How dot com, mm-hmm. and um, you know we'll 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 do our best to get to those quickly. Uh, we get a lot of email, so it may take a, a few days to to get an answer, but we we'll, we answer every single one. So that's right.
4: And uh, speaking of quick feedback, I actually already have a question about your iPhone app, about yeah, the Mister Multi iPhone app. Go. Yeah, um, San Diego Matt wants to know if the Mister Multi app. Uh, requires connectivity to work, or if he can use it on his iPhone Touch. See yes. You, you... It, it, it's, it's totally independent. No connectivity. Perfect. It's okay.
3: all, it's
4: all uh, local. Okay. So no no connection needed. So uh, iPhone and iPhone Touch, you should yeah. make sure you announce that in your... I said iTouch. Oh, you did? Oh. Yes.
3: Okay. Because my kids have iTouches. So. Oh, all right. Cool. iTouch, I iPad, uh, all
4: that stuff. It should work. Got it. No yeah. connectivity required, Matt. There right. you go.
3: Yeah, you know, handy way to uh, check your pitch and race while you're standing there, looking at your uh, your stir plate and all that, or your ball valve. Looking at your ball valve, (laughs) (laughs) wondering why it hurts so much when you open it.
2: Yeah, Yeah. and in case you're wondering about a um, iPhone version of the uh, water chemistry calculator yeah jameel and i really haven't gotten around to that yet but we, we've talked about it
3: <laughs> yeah <laughs> you're right i feel so bad all it. right so that's the next one that he's gonna do
4: uh, now we're gonna field questions about that for months. all right
3: now the palmer definitely i'll tell noah that's the one to do next okay because
4: okay.
3: i i've got like a half a dozen really great apps that nobody else has done i mean nobody was doing pitching rates yeah Excuse me, for a few minutes of ranting here.
4: Is anybody else now? I'll start
3: the the timer. Nobody was doing pitching rates until I came out with pitching rate calculator. Now people do pitching rates because it's pretty straightforward math, right? Mm -hmm. Nobody does starter growth curves because nobody has the data. And nobody's willing to put the months and months of labor into coming up with the appropriate (laughs) data. (laughs) <laughs> and and uh, mathematical expressions to make this happen. So that's really the only one that does it. But you know, until I came up with that one, nobody nobody had pitching rate calculation. Now yeah, I got some other apps, just going to blow you away. Stuff that I've thought of that nobody else has anything like it. Nobody's considered, but it, it'll be a great tool. Uh, uh, There's a few yeast related things that uh, n- nobody knows about. All right. Mm-hmm. My little brain. If I get hit by a bus, uh, the world is lost (laughs) out. He's going to die.
4: (laughs) Maybe you ought to give me all of your ideas, Jamil. (laughs) Because you okay. know that I'll take care of the family for you. That's when true. you when you get hit by a bus. We
3: do have that deal. If I go down, you're yeah. you're you're doing the sympathetic fundraiser to try sure. and. Uh,
4: now I didn't say I wouldn't be the and one. Ten percent goes the bus. to my family, right? Yes, <laughs> I'll take care of your family, but I might be the, also the one driving, driving the, the bus, bus once right. all the ideas come through.
3: Yeah, you're you're waiting for me to have some <laughs> some horrible disease that'll take me out. Uh, Uh, Just after you've raised the money to treat the disease, (laughs) then I die. It's too late to spend the money on that. So, well, (laughs) all right. (sighs) The show's already gone on the crapper. No, no, we
2: haven't flushed it yet.
3: (laughs) Flushed it. So the turd's circling the bowl. And now, now. All right. Well, so let's get on to the questions. All right.
4: Let's do one at least. Let's do it. Hey, Brew Strongers, writes in Eric from Connecticut. I just brewed a Scottish wee Heavy using a Northern Brewer kit, extract with specialty grains, and the included directions called for conditioning the beer for two months in a secondary fermenter. I've not used secondary for quite a while now and um, have never used one for that amount of time. Hmm. Uh, also, this is the biggest beer I've ever brewed. So my question, will there be enough yeast left in the brew after two months to carbonate the beer when I bottle it? Hmm. This is, this is chances
3: are there's technically probably still a few cells, and yeah. if you were to wait long enough at warm enough temperatures <clears throat> it may and you use simple sugar um, it, it would eventually work. carbonate mm-hmm. however it's it's better to um, you know go ahead at, at two months. Most of the yeast has settled out. You're going to want to repitch about um, 1 billion cells per liter of beer. So, uh, for uh, a 5 gallon batch, it's about 19 liters. Uh, you would use about a fifth of a White Labs tube, or half of a White Yeast propagator pack, or about a gram of dry yeast to, uh, to make that happen. So, uh, you know, you, you just don't want to put a ton of yeast in there and have a bunch of yeast die and barf up on in your beer. So just, just, just enough to, to do the, your carbonation.
4: Okay. I may have a caller on here. The phone's acting funny. Let's see what we got. Caller, you're on with Bruce Strong. Hey, this is me. Yes, sir. Me. Hello. Good to hear you. Who are we talking hey.
1: to? Uh, this is Bertat there.
4: Oh, Bertat. What's happening? Yeah. How you doing, buddy?
1: Rather. Brother. Yeah, I just gotta say, uh, Mr. Malty should change his name to Mr. Yeasty. The book is great. Hey, thanks.
3: Yeah, yeah. I, I think. Uh, well, you know, I, I registered Mr. Mr. Malty, and and then one of these uh, domain parking places they grabbed Mr. Hoppy, and it's parked. It's uh-huh. like Bruce Strong, and somebody follows the show. Oh and they, yeah, and, and just then picks uh, them all up, and then just registers all of them, and then just waits and tries to charge us money for them.
4: Well, plus, Mr. Yeasty is just okay. disgusting. I don't like it. Well, yeah. <laughs> that's why it fits in Jamil so well.
1: Yeah, that's true. That's right. You got a question, Ted? <laughs> anyway, yeah, I got a question. Uh, what's your opinion on using hops in a bag in the boil? I know that uh, Tasty uses a hop bag. Right. And the last couple of brews, I've started to use one. But do you lose any percentage of your alpha acids, or do you adjust any, or what? What's your opinion?
3: Well, and uh, you 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 know you're you're uh, you're an experienced brewer, and um, you know the the popular opinion is oh it's ten percent loss when you go in a bag, and uh, you know it's uh, you, you're you're going to lose some some bittering. I think that. The thing is, um, yeah, there's some restriction of flow of wort through the bag, and that's going to slow down isomerization because, you know, the more concentrated it is, the, the less, you know, isomerization you get. And the other problem being, um, uh, you know, if, if, if you pack the bag full, what Tasty does is he has a very large sack. Tasty's sacks are very large. And, I got a
1: large sack, too.
3: Oh, well, there you go. I, I'm not surprised. You're the <clears> kind <throat> of guy... Loose. Yeah. Uh, I would expect to have very large track. sacks. Um, Everybody, and you know, if you don't put a whole lot of hops in there, you know, I I think mm-hmm. that that really mitigates the whole percentage loss thing. I, I think you'd I think you'd be pretty good. I mean, maybe you're losing a few IBUs, but I don't think it's going to be that much. If you if you tightly pack your sack, and um, yeah. you know, I I think that then
2: there you're going to lose maybe the ten mm. percent or maybe even more. What would you say, John? Okay. Yeah, that's that's the key. I mean, um, the whole isomerization process. You've got you've got a lot more um, alpha acid going into the beer, uh, into the word during the boil, and and it's being isomerized at a slow rate. So, okay. where where you run into um, isomerization loss from the use of a hot bag is one if. If it's a really large bag and and collects a lot of alpha, you know, sticking to the fibers, that's you know, if you think about, that's going to be a small effect. I mean, you know, it's just it's not going to stick that much compared to the kettle and the hot break and everything else. So, what the, the next factor is that if the hops are packed too tightly in the bag and you can't get get good work flow past the hops to leach out the alpha acids. And get that get that alpha into 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 the boil into solution where it can where it can isomerize, isomerize. Uh So, yeah, as as Jamil said um, and and Tacy's experience, you know, if the, if you have a la- large enough bag where you get good workflow flow through that bag, you're really not going to see a loss in uh, um, utilization.
3: Well, I wonder because, if. Uh John, what do you think? If, if you were to kind of more teabag it where you lift it out and let the, the wort drain out and then drop it back in, maybe that would even increase. Uh... Yeah,
2: that would. That would help. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
3: Okay. Well, and, and Tat, right, I, I, so... got a, I got a question for you, brother. Uh, yeah. how, how would you compare walleye and yellow perch? Would you say they're <laughs> the same or, or different?
1: Well, I mean, y- your walleye is like a, it's a different perch. It's, uh, <laughs> yeah. it's a bigger perch.
3: Yeah, right. It's a yeah. big, long, skinny perch. Big perch, yeah, yeah, <laughs> but good, very good. It's good; they're good. Yeah, well, you know, there are some people who would who would say that uh, yellow perch is no walleye.
2: <laughs> yellow but perch, that's right. Yellow perch, right, right. Forgot about they, the yellow. Yeah, the, they're are a little smaller, a little sweeter. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> at least my position on that. So,
1: uh, Tat- a big loose bag is good.
3: Yes. Big loose sack. Big and loose,
1: uh, is good. Tight is not good. Yeah. Right, that's going like to be a, the only time that that ever applies. Right.
4: Yes, that's right.
3: <laughs> now, Ted Tad took us out uh, at the at the conference. He took uh, Palmer and I and a, a couple other folks out to uh, Jensen supper to club. D- Jensen supper club for dinner because Palmer needed to have walleye. <laughs> so. Uh, <laughs> Palmer's like, I don't know, we're all giving him crap about walleye. He goes, well, it's you know, a lot like, like yellow perch. And some some diner in the restaurant heard him. <laughs> oh. And only in Minnesota. She was like standing up and going, oh, no, what the hell? You can't, you can't compare yellow perch to walleye. She came she's, and corrected you. Yeah, she's yeah. like, well, we're idiots. Where, yeah. Who are these idiots? Was she angry, too?
2: <laughs> no, she was laughing. She goes, he's ah. full of it. It's nothing like yellow perch. I see. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful.
4: Thanks, Ted. Ta- Palmer's sticking Sorry. to his yellow perch analogy, Sorry. though.
2: Thanks, bro. Back to my
4: boil. Thank <laughs> you. See ya. All right. Brew Tattoo. You can call us up, 888-401-BEER, if you have questions. That's 888-401-2337. You want to do another one before the break?
0: No, let's take a break. Okay. The cutting-edge equipment from Blickman Engineering is designed by brewers to make your brew day shorter, more enjoyable, and to give you a sense of pride in your equipment. At Blickman, they know what makes brewing a pain and build gear that makes it fun. Like the intuitive beer gun, a completely different approach to filling bottles. The Therminator wort chiller, a new take on a plate chiller that's sized for flow, performance, and the high groundwater temps homebrewers face every day. The brew a brilliant weldless thermometer design with brewing parameters right on the dial. The auto sparge, ultimate simplicity for preventing an overflow or running your mash tun dry. And much more, like the modular top-tier brewing stand, conical fermenters, and their boiler maker brew pots. With more cutting-edge equipment coming soon, keep up with the latest from Blickman at BlickmanEngineering.com and stay on the cutting edge.
5: Williams Brewing is your online resource for prompt delivery of quality home brewing supplies. Since 1979, Williams Brewing has offered the finest equipment and freshest ingredients and the best customer service in the business. Go to williamsbrewing.com to browse our vast selection. That's williamsbrewing.com. Orders placed by 3.30 p.m. Pacific time ship the same day. Brewing is easy the Williams way. Hey, what are you doing, man? Writing a review of WLP
0: 400. What? You're reviewing yeast? Yeah. White Labs has home brewer reviews of all their strains. Are you new to these interwebs? Check it out. That's awesome. White Labs, your source for great yeast, invites all brewers to visit whitelabs.com to read and write your own reviews of all their yeast strains. Get real-world tips and tricks from other brewers who have made the most of their vials and post your own experiences. It's another way White Labs brings you closer to the best yeast on the planet and send there you go you misspelled flocculate dude what ah uh, mother White Labs it's all in the vial organic ingredients. Fresh, clean, good for you, good for the planet. Seven Bridges has the best selection of organic ingredients, including over 27 varieties of organic hops at breworganic.com. Join their mailing list for special deals and regular updates. They've been brewing organic and serving organic brewers for 13 years. They can help you brew great organic beer. And Seven Bridges is the proud host of the 4th Annual National Organic Brewing Challenge, the only BJCP-sanctioned nationwide brewing competition just for organic beers. Take the challenge this fall for a chance to win great prizes, including stainless steel brew kettles and organic brewing ingredients. This year, the challenge will be judged in two locations, on the East Coast at Capital City Brewing in Arlington, Virginia, and on the West Coast at Gordon Biersch in San Jose, California. For complete details, visit breworganic.com slash competition. Seven Bridges is cooperatively owned in awesome Santa Cruz, California. Everyone there is dedicated to great beer and people-friendly business practices. They offer environmentally friendly, fair trade and fair wage brewing products whenever possible. Seven Bridges breworganic.com.
7: www.thebrewingnetwork.com
4: Sit down next to it, grab yourself a paper towel, and watch those yeast have sex. <laughs> you're, you're listening
5: to The Brewing
4: Network.
1: Back to the two guys that know how to turn beer into beer. This is Brew Brewstrong. All right, we're back. It's a live Q&A
3: session here with uh, John Palmer, Jamel Zanishev, your Bruce Strong hosts. What's our next uh, question from the chat, Justin?
4: Well, after those smooth stylings of Jay-Z, let's go back to the phones. (laughs) Caller, you're on Bruce Strong. Who are we talking to?
8: Hey, this is Alonzo. Hey, Alonzo. Alonzo. What's going on? Hey, Hey, how's it going, guys?
4: Great. Got question?
8: Hey, uh, I called last time as well, if you remember. I asked about... uh, Fermenting a beer only at high temperatures, I don't know if you... Right, right. Spell. Yeah, yeah, I, I've <laughs> since sucked it up and just got a fridge.
3: Ah, hours. there you go. <laughs> okay. Yeah, and you're excused, well, oh, yeah, my wife isn't going to like uh, me having another fridge. <laughs> and. Uh...
8: But uh, but thanks for the question that I asked, I am now able to fully utilize my fridge. You know, I just keep nice. the beer in there for uh, a few days, and then I take it out, and then I put the next one in. And, you know, I have a nice constant supply going into the fridge, and it's good to go.
3: Nice.
8: Yeah, yeah, So, and uh, so I also wanted to thank uh, Justin for getting the book out to me. I'm all the way on the East Coast. I am in Burlington, Vermont, and he still got the uh, yeast book to me before Amazon is even shipping it. Yes. Yeah. Quite like I yeah. said,
4: we try. Yeah. You get that book yeah, before yeah, I, anybody else.
8: Yeah, I also got my BNA 4 shirt that you still have in stock. Thank you.
4: <laughs> Perfect. We'll be selling those at b and 10. Don't you worry. Right. It makes a great chamois for cleaning the car, <laughs> does it not? Yeah. yeah. All
3: right.
4: What's all right, your question? So I got a – right, uh,
8: the real question is, uh, So you know, it's common practice to not uh, bottom crop a high-gravity ale like a Barley wine or an imperial, a double Imperial IPA. Mm. But what about top cropping uh, a high-gravity beer like that? Is that something that is a better idea than bottom cropping?
3: Well, you know, you, you you can bottom or top crop those beers. Either way, it's just that um, you know the the high level of alcohol once once the um, you know the beer is fully fermented and the yeast is dropped to the bottom, alcohol levels are very high, the IBU levels are very high. Both those things really impact viability of the yeast. Uh, it you know totally uh, you know decimating the ability of the yeast to reproduce. So you know, if you're going to top or bottom crop, I would you know go with top cropping because at that point the yeah. the yeast are healthier, the alcohol level is much lower. You know, IBUs in an IBU situation, it's still you know pretty high, um, but that would be the better choice. So you can you can still do it um, either way, but it, it, if I was to choose one, definitely top cropping. So
8: it sounds like you're saying that. It's still not a great idea, but it can be done, but it's still better to wait on those high IBU or high-gravity beers until you're maybe towards, I guess, with, with top cropping, you're able to uh, do more batches. So maybe when right. you're kind of getting sick of that yeast and you're on, maybe your gut doesn't batch with that yeast. and so right. You kind of want to wait till the end with that.
3: Yeah, you know, on, on the, the interesting thing is, you know, I, I think if you're starting with a really healthy yeast, and you top crop, and then um, you give the yeast good conditions to, you know, grow in the next batch, I bet you you're just far better off than most brewers out there. And you're going to make a fine beer, and you're going to be, you know, making some of the most, uh, the best beer possible at that point. Yeah, um, you could do better. Um, But, you know, people are making such, you know, poorly fermented beer that... uh, I, I, I think you'd be pretty satisfied uh, yeah. ideally you want to start up with a with a fresh fresh pitch
2: yeah now Jail you know going over to uh, can you brew it shows for a second with the, with this idea in mind I mean have you gotten feedback from some of the from some of those professional brewers that brew you know strong beers are they are they repitching those yeasts or is are are they not I mean are they doing the repitching from you know smaller beers And then brewing the big beer and then done with that yeast and go on to a new batch. Have they mentioned?
3: Well, it it depends on what they're brewing. So, uh, you know, if uh, the beer is a regular in their lineup and they're brewing it, you know, week in, week out, then they stick with the same yeast and they don't really see a whole lot of problems. If the beer is like a special one-off, some giant uh, barley wine or something like that, then a lot of them tend to call that the end, and uh, you know toss that and, and start afresh. Nice. Mm-hmm. So, um, but if if they're making a barley wine every week, then they tend to just repitch. Uh-huh. okay. Yeah. So, and, and I think it makes sense in a lot of ways. You know, the yeast. Um, well, they don't really totally uh, you know genetically change. They do seem to sort of become they become accustomed in a way and the interesting way they become accustomed is the ones that are are weak and can't handle the environment they die off and the ones that are still viable they're the ones that really can handle it a little bit better so they tend to uh, uh, they tend yeah. to you know
2: just like brain cells yeah.
3: <laughs> right exactly it's the whole buffalo herd thing yeah and your brain cells
4: all right thank you for the call alonzo appreciate it 888401 beer all right, next question came through from Glenn. Jamil and John, there's been a lot of talk recently about whirlpool additions. What I don't get is the best method for whirlpooling if you don't have a Jameel-style whirlpool immersion chiller. I brew all grain, use an immersion chiller, and then siphon from the brew kettle into the fermenter. So could you explain a good procedure for whirlpool hop additions?
3: Get yourself a Jameel-style whirlpool chiller. <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> well, no, uh, well, go ahead, John. Oh I was just saying you know what well, what we're basically talking about is you know the the boil has been turned off you know the heat's been turned off the wort is still hot and you're adding uh hops you know at at knockout um when the with the heat off um the the term whirlpool hop additions comes from the professional brewer that is you know adding hops in the whirlpool, and it takes you know time. I don't know tw- what twenty minutes or something for you know for them to whirlpool their entire you know ten barrel batch or whatever the case may be. Um, and and so what what they have is they have fresh hops in contact with hot wort for a period of time as that as the wort moves through the whirlpool. Um, and Jamil's you know whirlpool chiller, um, you know we the the time you know cuts down to what probably ten minutes or so in the in the hot you know from knockout till the time the wort the wor- mm-hmm. the wort is cool. Um I I did you know knockout hop additions in my with my immersion chiller. Um I do knockout hop additions with my therminator, my plate chiller. Um so it's you know heat off, fresh hops into the kettle, you know, hot wort as mm-hmm. that wort chills, uh you're adding um for, you know fresh hop oil and uh, so a little fresh infusion of alpha and retaining more of the essential oils uh, into the beer.
3: All right. So I, I, I guess his question was, you know, how do I do that if I don't have, you know, the, the ability to pump for the whirlpool? And, you know, commercial brewers, they have a pump and a whirlpool inlet, and, you know, they'll, they'll have a, even a separate whirlpool, and they will, you know, use that to... to to, to do their whirlpooling. A lot of uh, home brewers they'll turn to, oh, I'll take a spoon and I'll stir the daylights out of it and uh, that's how I'll whirlpool or they'll get a you know a paddle mixer and uh, you know they'll fire that up and, and whirlpool that way. That's fine as long as the wort is nice and hot. but once it starts to cool down, you really don't want to be exposing it by taking the lid off the kettle or you know st- sticking something in there. The, you know, there are bacteria and wild yeast floating all over the place, all that dust. And, you know, you don't always see the dust, but it's there. And it's all dropping into your wort once you remove that lid. So unless it's hot enough to kill that stuff, don't don't be doing that. But uh, the way that, that, that people are doing it that I know of, um, you know, the moment you turn off the flame, have the spoon in there to sanitize while it's boiling for the last few minutes. And turn off the flame, and immediately stir the freaking daylights out of this thing. Get a good whirlpool going. Pull the spoon out. Put the lid back on, and and let that be your whirlpool. It won't be long enough to really do the full whirlpool effect,
2: but eh, you know it's something. Yeah, it's mainly time at temperature. We're we're doing we're not we're not at a boil. You're not uh, boiling off the the highly volatile oils, mm-hmm. so they're staying they're staying in solution. Um and then you're and you're chilling the you're chilling that work down so they you know they're they're staying in they're not a, they're not going away um you can you can do a whirlpool addition that way you can use hop back um you can you know just throw them in uh turn off the heat throw them in let it sit for a few minutes and then start your immersion chiller uh but you know th- I think the central idea is that you're trying to uh, retain these highly volatile oils and aroma, you know, and aromas in the wort without boiling them off.
4: All right, got a lot of questions to get through, guys. Okay, okay. Phil Brazil wrote in uh, this time, and his is kind of loaded, even though I said that. So, so he's ch- loaded. So are we? He's loaded, and and you're loaded, and this question's loaded. He's got questions about uh, step mash versus infusion. All right, let me let me give you the whole rundown here. First of all, what are the advantages and disadvantages of doing one over the other? Also, are there styles that benefit more than others? When I ask people about step mash versus infusion, they usually tell me that malts today are more modified than some time ago. So you don't need to do it. But what do they mean by that? What is modification, and why is it important? All right, so we did a
3: whole show on the mash. and uh but uh short of repeating all of that palmer why don't you uh
2: you're the okay. you're the uh the modification guru do it i <laughs> suppose okay well Go for yeah it. um conversion um you're trying to you know when you the the point of the mash is to take the starches uh get them soluble and then convert those starches into sugars um Mod- malt modification refers to how uh, avail- accessible the starches in the malt are to the enzymes. A highly modified malt has gone through enzymatic breakdown of the uh, the kernel, the endosperm, and so those starches are accessible. A less modified malt hasn't gone through as much enzymatic breakdown the Starches are still kind of bound up in the protein-carbohydrate matrix of the endosperm, um, and they're not as water-soluble. It takes longer to get them into solution so that the enzymes can work on them for conversion. So uh, what you do is you start out um, by at lower temperatures to to utilize different uh, enzymes. You can use protein rests. Alpha, uh, beta amylase rests on up to alpha amylase rests and by doing different temperature rests in a step mash you allow different enzymes to work on the malts and make the starches more accessible um, it's not as necessary in a hot, today's highly modified malt you can do a single infusion temperature mash and a single temperature infusion mash and the starches are readily available the, and it converts, and you're off and running. Um, as far as the style question, here's where I'll turn it back over to Jay Z. In in a, in a recipe, you'll often be looking at uh, trying to brew a classic example of a style, where you maybe go to um, the traditional malt for that style, and Jameel, why don't you elaborate from here in terms of, you know, what styles uh, step mashing is, is.
3: Well, you know, I, I think it depends a lot on, uh, you know, if you're trying to do something like a heffa and you want, uh, you know, that uh, those uh, clove flavors and things like that, and you want to do uh, like a ferulic acid rest. And, uh, you know, I think there are times when it helps. Uh, Charlie Papazian says that, you know, he's, Step match he does protein rest on every beer that he does and um you know i think you know there could be something to that or or, or not um you know um hard, hard to say for sure um yeah. and, and certain you know recipes if you're doing uh, using things like um uh, uh flaked barley or um uh, you know flaked rye or something like that then maybe you want to do a, a a step mash uh generally I'm very lazy and so you know the the value I was seeing from doing these these uh multi uh step uh mashes was returning very very little uh you know same thing for decoction I was like you know it's just not worth it uh, that's why I've shifted you know, almost entirely to single infusion. Um, so you know, style-wise, I think you can skip it on everything, but uh, you, know, uh, you can certainly do it on everything as well uh, if, if that's
4: what you prefer. Yeah. All right. Next question came through from Nico Brew. Um, he wants some pointers on adding sucrose to a beer to boost the gravity without boosting body. Mm-hmm. specifically how much and when can I add it to the boil without stressing the yeast, um, and then how often throughout the ferment, et cetera. So he wants to hold.
3: Right. So the interesting thing is, um, you know, this is how beers like, uh, for example, the brewery in uh, Southern California, they're making a, a really interesting beer, Black Tuesday, uh, you know, huge alcohol in this thing, um, and they're doing that, I, I believe, by doing some, you know, later additions during the fermenter, into the fermenter uh, during fermentation, uh, similar to how Dogfish does their 120. We did a Kenya You show on uh, Dogfish 120. Sean Paxton came in, and we talked about the sugar additions later on. Um, that is, you know, advantageous because here's what happens. Yeast, when you start fermentation, the very first thing they're going to consume is like all the glucose. And then they go with all the other simpler sugars as well. They break those down into glucose and then they consume them. You know, the, the next thing that they do is maltose. And maltose, so if you have a lot of very simple sugars that you've loaded up the beer to, you know, add alcohol without adding a lot of excessive body, they're going to eat all those first, and they may not consume the maltose. And you're going to end up with an under-attenuated, heavy, sweet beer. So the, the trick is you don't add any sugars in the boil. You let the yeast ferment out the minimal glucose that's there as a percentage from your mash. And then they, they end up consuming the maltose. And when they seem like they're finishing up with the maltose, then you go ahead and give them more simple sugars. And they will consume those and they will they'll move on. And then you add more and you add more and you add more. Uh, you know, keeping the yeast going, temperature and uh more simple sugar additions. And they'll they'll keep keep consuming until they get poisoned by the alcohol. So that's how you do it. Um, simple sugars will not add anything to the body, um, but if they don't ferment out fully, they'll add quite a bit of sweetness. Um, You want to make sure that you're very careful that all those simple sugars you add ferment out completely. Otherwise, you end up with a really sweet beer. Those simple sugars are exceedingly sweet, and they they will add a lot of sweetness. So you need to be careful that you don't add more after the yeast have already reached their limit because you're just going to add a whole bunch of sweetness. So you need to be careful of that.
4: All right. Why don't we take a break before we go to the next questions?
3: Okay, if you insist. I do. It's beer time anyways. I thought one beer would carry me through the show, but now I'm getting like
0: 10. All right. <laughs> we'll be back after this. When I order a beer, I want my server to know more about it than I do. I want someone who enjoys good beer and loves helping others enjoy it too.
5: I want someone who knows how to pour a perfect pint for every beer style. I want a cicerone. are tested on storing and serving beer beer styles flavor and tasting the brewing process and ingredients and pairing food with beer learn more about your next beer guide at cicerone.org certified cicerone because it takes top talent to present a perfect pint
7: hi this is push from the brewing network and i want to tell you about the brewmasters warehouse and how you can get 10 percent off your next order I'm a pretty techie guy, but I've never seen an online store like this. It's awesome. Brewmaster's Warehouse and the Brew Builder blew me away. Check it out today at brewmasterswarehouse.com. I'm serious. And don't forget to put in ARMY in the discount code box for 10% off your order. Check out brewmasterswarehouse.com. Cheers.
6: Do you support the Brewing Network? Do you brew your own? Are you looking for an economical, fun, and legal way to do both? Subscribe to Brew Your Own magazine and do just that. All year long, Brew Your Own will surprise you, entertain you, and educate you with articles on beer and brewing from authors like the Brewing Network's very own Jamel Zadishan and John Palmer. Each issue is a full pint of brewing techniques, homebrew stories, tips and photos, projects to make yourself, and recipes for the avid home brewer. Get your tough questions answered by Mr. Wizard and polish your style accuracy with Jamel. A portion of every subscription goes to the Brewing Network. So subscribe today at BYO.com slash Brewing Network. Or just click the BYO logo on the Brewing Network homepage and support a fantastic hobby and your favorite broadcaster. Brew your own, the How to Homebrew Beer Magazine.
4: My name is Owen Schultz and
0: I'm president of More Beer. This month, More Beer wants you to meet the man behind the brand. I founded More Beer 15 years ago. Olin started brewing before the release of both Windows 3.1 and Bill Clinton. I've been homebrewing for 18 years. What makes starting the biggest brand in home brewing great? My favorite thing about working at More Beer is the great energy of the staff. Everyone loves to talk about beer. Olin has put some of his favorite items on sale this month just for you. My favorite things to brew with right now at More Beer are the new breathable silicone carboy hood, an easy way to seal your carboy without a lot of head pressure
4: on your yeast. My multi brown ale kit. Our stainless steel quick disconnects, our line of heavy-duty kettles, and, of course, the B3500 Brew Sculpture.
0: The best gravity-fed brew sculpture with a footprint of just 2 by 3 feet. It can fit almost anywhere. Don't miss Olin's favorites this month only and only at More Beer.
3: You're listening to The
8: Brewing Network.
1: Back to the beer guys that make other beer guys look like wine guys. Brew strong.
3: All right, live Q&A. You can always go to thebrewingnetwork.com. There's lots of great stuff there. There's an excellent forum with uh, a lot of uh, like-minded souls. You can check that out. But uh, there's this live chat now button. Click on that thing, get into the chat, you just no password or anything, you just enter uh, enter your name and uh, join in. You can ask questions live during the show, or you can even call in uh, 888-401-BEER and uh, <laughs> ask questions during the show. All right, what's our next, uh, next next one up?
4: All right, I like mine is in the chat room. All right. That's the other fun part about joining the chat. You have to figure out people's names. Uh, okay one thing i 've never been clear on this is a good one for you here palmer uh is mashing in terms of how enzymes denature so uh-huh. so if you strike at one fifty five f for example, and over the first half hour or maybe less, allow your temp to fall into the beta amylase range one thirty one to one fifty could you expect to get a nice uh fermentable to non fermentables balance
2: yes um the the um enzymes denature in a half-life sort of situation um the hotter you go uh the faster they denature um the so if you if you dough in at 155 and then start letting it fall um beta is going to be really active at 155 but it's also going to be denaturing as the temperature cools um the denaturing rate will drop and uh so you'll, you'll 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 be able to actually prolong the debate amylase activity. So you should end up with a very fermentable wort uh, with that kind of schedule.
3: Well, and, and and one thing to add in, all right. So let's say you doed in at one forty nine. Mm-hmm. Um, the amount of time it's going to take to to fully convert, you know, those available starches and, and you know using those those enzymes. Uh, that's going to be slightly shorter than if you dote in at a higher temperature and let the temperature drop because you've already denatured some of those enzymes. So yeah. you may need to extend that portion of your rest, your colder rest, uh, it, to ensure you get full conversion at, at that temperature. So it can take a little longer, but... Um, you know, it it, it definitely will. There, you know, there's there's pockets that, uh, you know, there's there's in the grain. There's, you know, different areas where the enzymes survive. And like John's saying, it's a half-life of uh, the unfolding of the uh, proteins that uh, uh, com- comprise those enzymes. Yep.
4: <laughs> I chastised Palmer at the break to keep things short. So now he's, <laughs> yep. <laughs> All right. Very good, nope. Palmer. You're doing yes. a good job. <laughs>
3: oh, okay. Limit yourself to one-word answers, please.
4: Yeah. <laughs> All right. Here's one from Mills. Uh, I used WLP-007 for the first time, and it, is a cr- it uh, ferments crazy fast and clears so well. If diacetyl is left by this strain, can it be reduced while it is fully flocked with a temperature raise and rousing the yeast? Mr. Yeast?
6: Mr. Yeasty. Uh,
3: Well, yes and no. It's going to take a while. Um, You know, it's one of the reasons that, uh, like, well, I'm assuming. I don't really know. So legally, I can't be sued. But I'm assuming. My assumption is, like Budweiser, they they use those beechwood chips. They're all fuzzy with little nubs of uh, wood sticking out. Gives you a lot more surface area, and and that enhances the reduction of all these byproducts at the end of fermentation. Right, that's one of the reasons they use it in a large shallow fermenter. Like a carboy has a large shallow, broad base, so you do tend to still get some pretty good reduction in something like that. If you're doing something like a corny keg, and the yeast is stacked up, and it's a smaller surface area, you can have a harder time reducing. Uh, uh, compounds like diacetyl and uh, acetyl- acetaldehyde, uh, and something yes. like a carboy, all right, in a in a in a uh, corny cake. So the the more surface area, the easier it is. Rousing that'll help. The ideal thing is, you know, when you see the yeast start to slow down in, during that fermentation, that three day fermentation, which is it's a great yeast. When you see it start to slow down. Raise the temperature a couple of degrees. You know, go ahead and kick the temperature up two, three, five degrees Fahrenheit, and your, uh, your reduction of those compounds will happen during that time. So uh, you won't need, really need to worry about it. You'll end up with a nice, clean uh, beer, and no, no
4: problems. All right. Bike Foolery wrote in, okay, so I moved to a new estate where the municipal water is terrible. I now have nine gallons of oatmeal stout that finished at 1020. OG was 1058. But the mineral content makes it seem super dry huh. uh, any ideas? Um, he says, I tried to take a few samples and mix in lactose, but the lactose would not mix in into solution very well um, outside of brewing more stout and blending um, anything I can do to this beer I'll throw it away
3: <laughs> yeah never never blend good beer with bad beer. It just makes at best mediocre beer and tends to make just a lot more bad beer
4: okay um. He says he's oaking some of it, and it seems to hide some of the mineral character. <laughs> what do you think yeah. of
3: that? Don't yeah. give me any to drink.
2: <laughs> does does he? I mean, wh- what is his water that that's so bad? I mean, well, he's not really carpeting?
4: saying. He he did say that he used five two in the mash, but he he's not specific uh, specific specific about it. He says uh, that, that just municipal water is terrible. Is is his mm-hmm. whole explanation? So,
2: um. I don't know. Kind of, it's hard to say. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, from a water standpoint, yeah. if I don't know what the water is, I can't really suggest anything. Um, if he's got, so if we go back to, okay, he's got this batch of beer that. How, how does he describe the flavor right now? It's too dry, he says.
4: Yeah, that it came out. It's super dry. He says the mineral content makes it hmm. seem super. What's the dry. finishing gravity? Oh. Ten twenty. 10, From ten fifty, yeah, wow, dry, which is
2: amazing. That's... Yeah, I, I think it's probably tannic. Um,
3: right, it could... why would it, Well, it could have been tannic because the pH of the
2: the yeah. mash and and if it a really if high it's pH. Yeah. yeah, so maybe let it sit for we several used months. It's though. Yeah. Oh, that's
3: true. Yeah, let it, let it sit. Put in put in a keg. Set it in the fridge. Leave it for a year. Come back and try it again. Yeah. But yeah, hey, call us the- in a year and to- let us know how it worked out. Yeah,
2: cold condition for a couple months and try it again. I bet it'll be better. Okay, I th- I, th- I think that might
3: you know can't hurt. Yeah, right. That's that's very sp- test sp- of you. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Good <laughs> quote, Justin.
4: All right, that bitch Kim is in the chat room. Oh, and, Kim uh, Wood. She says, uh, "I've done a couple of Citra IPAs recently." Uh, 13.4 AAUs. And it seems that there's a strange flavor that fades after about four weeks uh, before the beer is really nice. This has happened when I've bittered with Magnum and with Columbus. I've heard people refer to hop esters producing a temporary result like this. Uh, Is this what's going on here? Is it just related to this hop? And if so, should I be adjusting the IBUs in the recipe to compensate for a little bit of aging so that I don't lose some of the desired hop character? Hmm. See the darn
3: thing about kim is she's actually so sharp and <laughs> brews such great beer that the questions become very complex yeah, yeah. palmer and i go like uh oh, jesus i don't down. know <laughs> um hmm that's a, that's an excellent question um
4: and she's in the chat. She could maybe clarify. I mean, do we need to know what this strange flavor is? Right. That would
3: that would help. But um, you know, tasting the beer, uh, Kim, you need to send us plenty of your beer. A couple of you know, a f- couple of five gallon kegs would would work. Yeah.
2: One for each of us. That would help us compare. Yeah. Them. Right. Right. Cool. Cool.
4: Um, I mean, I've noticed that plastic flavor in hoppy beers that fades after a couple of weeks. Right, right. So yeah, you can get that. You can get a smoky. You can get a, a plastic
3: phenol. You can get all sorts of weird flavors. Well, and, she says it's phenolic ish. Yeah, when I was in, uh, when I was in uh, New Zealand, and they had the 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 Rewaka hops, and it was like burnt rubber. Yeah, it was like a big mouthful of burnt rubber. It was horrible. I've had that. The beer was awesome, and I'm thinking, what's this burnt rubber character? And I'm thinking, oh, it's bad fermentation. It's all this thing. And, no, that's the hops. I'm like, oh, you got to be kidding me. Right. And sure enough, after they sit for like two weeks, it goes away. So uh, definitely, but I, I think if you were to change, um, you know, your, your bittering or, or, or the character of what you're doing, you know, that, it's going to change so many other things. I think the only thing is just to wait okay. and, and, and let it settle out and let it change. Uh, you know, unless you're what you're the character you're looking for, you could get with different hops, uh, then there's another way to do it. But if so you like the result,
4: so she shouldn't uh, adjust her IBUs up because she has to wait. Oh, 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 well, that's what all she right. wants to know. Should she adjust up? Right. because she has to wait for this plastic to go. She does say it's right. plastic, uh, right. to wait for it to go away.
3: Well, you're gonna, yeah, you're you know, if if the result, well, it, at that point where the plastic goes away. Is the beer sweet and you know needs more IBUs? Then yes, you know, bump it up. I I would maybe use some other you know horizon or something like that that uh, to to bump up your IBUs um, to you know to to make that happen. You can change your pitching rate. That'll also affect your final IBUs. Um, you know, if you're pitching a lot, then uh, that can really be trimming down your your final beer IBUs. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, the other thing is, if if the resulting beer, without tasting it, it's really hard to say, uh, you know, when you when you let a beer sit for a while, if, if it's sitting warm or it's getting some oxygen, you actually can pick up a weird sweetness that's the malt kind of oxidizing, and you get these weird kind of sweet flavors no matter how much bittering is still there. So, I'm not sure if that's probably the problem. Now, Kim's a really good brewer, so, uh, I mean, maybe that's not the problem, but... Um, uh, that's one thing to keep in mind.
4: Okay. All right, let's do one more before the break. Uh, Moby writes in a uh, question for you, Jay-Z. Uh, in the Yeast book, he's already reading through it. Uh, he, he says in the Yeast book, he recommends for repitching to only repitch loggers three to four times, but you can repitch I ales do? eight to nine times. Really? Uh, I remember saying that, yeah. What page? Yeah, I don't know if Moby's still in there. So he says. Well, he says loggers three to four times, uh, repitch ales eight to nine times. Why the big difference in the number of repitches? Is there a difference in the number of repitches between even if those numbers aren't right uh, um, between ales and loggers?
3: You know uh, that might be something that commercial brewers do, or or Whitey, uh, you know, came across uh, in his experience. Generally, the the yeast companies they'll tell you. Uh, that the lager yeast really are not as, um, stable and don't store as well and, and really have problems over a certain number of generations, you know, fewer generations than, uh, the ale yeast. The ale yeast seems to be more stable and you can repitch and, and do more things with the ale yeast. So that might be part of it. And, and, um, yeah, geez, hard hard to say. Uh, but all the, all the yeasts uh, tend to be, you know, very genetically stable. Um, so you should be able to repitch, you know, more than enough times. One of the things that happens with lager yeasts, uh, very common, is people will, um, you know, rack to secondary. This is one of the reasons I hate secondary. Uh, they will go ahead and rack to a secondary vessel. And they'll harvest their yeast off that secondary vessel. Hmm. That's the yeast that they'll repitch. Well, if you're repitching the stuff that doesn't flocculate very well, then all of a sudden you end up with uh, you know yeast that doesn't flocculate at all, and you end up with a dusty, murky beer. Now, JP has already he's pulled up his personalized. He found copy. it in
4: there. He found in here. One, oh, and while Jay Z's reading that to, bottom paragraph. Bottom paragraph, while Jay Z's reading that to see where we're at, I foresee this happening over the next few months. The same yes. thing happened with Brewing Classic Styles. So I, we love to answer questions about the books, but please do write in with page numbers and things like that, so Jay Z can not say I never said that. Uh, this also is obviously oh, written by yeah. two different authors, and so that'll make it a bit confusing.
3: So, yeah, it, it, I, I went through every word of this book, though. Yeah. So, um, you know, Chris was saying that... Um, uh, so how many times can a, a brewer reuse a pitch of yeast? Thank you, JP, for fun this. Yeah, nice good, work. Good, good work. I mean, how does this... Big-ass freaking book. He found, uh, found this right away. The life of a yeast culture depends, in part, on brewing conditions and the strain involved. For instance, a brewer using today's fermenters can generally reuse ale strains 8 to 10 times, while lagers go 3 to 4 generations. Tall stainless steel tanks with conical bottoms make it easy to collect yeast, but they put pressure on the yeast, reducing the number of effective number of reuses these days, even though we do not use yeast for hundreds of generations because of modern equipment we still want to get the best beer possible by reusing the yeast. Yeah, so um you know here they're talking about the hydrostatic pressure of um the tall cylinder conicals uh on the yeast. And again, lager yeast you know in the homebrew setting what we tend to find is lager yeast actually pretty durable and do do fairly well on repitching later on the yeast that don't do well is the wheat yeasts and when i mentioned that to to whitey he was like "Ah, i don't know in the commercial environment um you know with those giant fermenters um lager yeast just don't tend to do that well so i think that's really what's at the key to this if you're a home brewer I think you're, you know, as long as you're um, keeping things clean and in good shape, I think, I think you're fine.
4: All right. Sounds good. Let's do a quick break. Yes. Let's do a break right now. Back after
3: this.
0: When you hear Blickman Engineering, think innovation, passion, quality, and customer service. Blickman Gear is designed by brewers to give you a sense of pride in your equipment. At Blickman, they know what makes brewing a pain and build gear that makes it fun. Like the intuitive beer gun, a completely different approach to filling bottles. The Therminator Wart Chiller, a new take on a plate chiller that's sized for flow, performance, and the high groundwater temps homebrewers face every day. The Brewmometer, a brilliant weldless thermometer design with brewing parameters right on the dial. The Auto Sparge, ultimate simplicity for preventing an overflow or running your mash tun dry. And much more like the modular top tier brewing stand, conical fermenters, and their boiler maker brew pots. With more cutting edge equipment coming soon, keep up with the latest from Blickman at blickmanengineering.com and stay on the cutting edge. Whether I'm making me
7: dry stout or rebuilding me kegs, I head to the heart of dear Dublin for me homebrewing supplies.
2: You head all the
7: way back to Emerald Isle just for a wee batch of grain for a bit of keg tubing. No, you moronic waste of liver. Dublin, California, I go to HopTech.
0: For 30 years, HopTech in Dublin, California has been supplying homebrewers with malt extract, fresh grains, hops, spices and sugars, hop oils and extracts, and much more. HopTech is one of the first homebrew supply shops on the internet and is proud to offer award. Winning beer kits both online and in their store. Mention the BN Army for a 10% discount off your order. The store is open every day except Wednesday or shop online at hoptech.com anytime. Hoptech is run by passionate, award winning brewers who live, love, and travel for beer and bring their experience to the store for you. If you don't want to visit Dublin, just call toll free 800 Dry Hops or go to hoptech.com. Visit Hoptech today in Dublin, California and at hoptech.com. Nico, listen, our lawyers said that we had to do this for one hour, and after this we don't have to talk to each other for three more months until oh, yeah, the next meeting. Kids. Come on, let's get out of here. I'm supposed to have more lines. I'm the professional. <clears throat>
5: That's right, cans.
0: You can find our world famous Hell or High Watermelon Wheat Beer and Brew for Your Die IPA in the Northeast, Northwest, parts of the Midwest, and Alaska, in cans and on draft.
5: So next time you're at your local neighborhood pub or good beer store, be sure to ask for Twenty First Amendment in cans,
2: because everyone likes it in the can.
5: Tasty crack cans.
2: Tasty crack cans.
0: Now, Northern Brewer brings you another installment of The, the time,
1: time Brewers!
0: Three brewers, three different eras, all caught in the same fermento chronological vortex, traveling through time, righting brewing wrongs, and bringing beery wisdom to where and whenever it may be needed. Journey now with. Dr. Jean de Clercq. Greetings, listeners. 20th century Belgian super-brewing scientist. Please, please, the yeast and the enzymes to the hard work. I am merely a facilitator. Icebox. What, what? 21st century Norwegian-American homebrewer-rapper from St. Paul.
6: Listen, listen, I bust attenuation maxims, and my Yakima magnums
4: make my lager so smooth it's like a laxative. My spit got that static power. After I mash for an hour, I got naked ladies in
6: my brew room all covered in hot flowers. I swing a propagation flask like a five liter dick. Get your nasty mid-drinking group on ass back to ten twenty six, fool.
0: And Brother Abelard. Up that witch, begone. Twelfth century English monk and perpetuator of brewing superstition. My holy rod of divine
7: bubbling shall maketh any ale to froth by the grace of heaven, and a modicum of bog-myrtle
0: hurts not either. Brought to you by Northern Brewer, your one-stop homebrew supplier throughout the entire Fermento chronosphere. The widest selection of quality malt, hops, yeast, and equipment with $7.99 flat rate shipping. Tune in next time for more
7: Time Time Brewers!
0: Will, what's it feel like? Take off of and multiply it by two?
7: Yeah!
1: <laughs> Spraying live beer radio all over your face. <laughs> Can't get any better than this, baby. Woo! It's the Brewing Network. Back to your hosts, Jamil Chef and John Palmer. Putting the testicles in technical. This is Brew Strong. All
3: right, you know, doing the show makes me feel very manly.
4: It does. <laughs> what are you doing the rest of the week? <laughs> eh,
3: dress up philly, dr- frilly dresses and <laughs> taking the girls to ballet, prancing around the house.
4: Yeah.
3: Uh, no, I, you know, it's all this talk about testicles and things.
4: <laughs> very manly i got to say, I've never heard John Palmer's name Paul-mar. pronounced so yeah. well than that know. guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Our
3: girlfriend, That's what Art. I was thinking exactly the same thing.
2: It Palmer. really gets that L yeah. in there.
3: Yeah. That that dude's fantastic. Yeah.
2: Whenever I say my name, no one understands what I say. Because <laughs> it's like, I'm not literally... you're, just, you're, you're like, should, what? I always have to spell it for people. Said,
4: <laughs> You should hire Art. You could just bring Art with you everywhere you go.
2: That'd be good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, we have time for a,
4: a couple more questions. Let's go to the phones. It looks like I have a caller on here too. Caller, you're on Bruce Strong. Who we talking hey, to?
8: Hey, it's Alonzo again. Is it cool if I call once more?
4: Yeah, what do you no, got? No, one time per show. Sorry.
8: <laughs> Make it quick. It, it's another to, it's another uh, top cropping question. By the way, the weird flavor in Kim's beer. It was Andy. Just so you guys know.
4: <laughs> Probably so.
8: It's a good. It's yeah. a pretty good analysis. That's the weird
3: flavor in her life is
8: Andy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. What do you got? Uh, all right. Uh, the other top cropping question I had, so I have kind of a difficult time getting the yeast from the uh, the top of the beer. I use a method very similar to what's mentioned in uh, Jamil and Chris's new book, but what uh, or, so I can't really get enough into uh, my collection vessel, so what I'll sometimes do is uh, put in some CO2 to apply pressure to my better bottle. I don't do this to glass. I only use mm-hmm. better bottles. Yeah, that's And fine. it will bring... Yeah, absolutely. Don't apply pressure to glass. Mm -hmm. Um, What uh, it'll do is bring up a liter or two of uh, fermenting beer, and I'm just wondering what you think of doing that. as kind of a a best-case scenario. Is what I can do versus Mm -hmm. maybe just bottom cropping, just waiting until the whole thing is done, because what Mm -hmm. I wind up doing is just letting the whole thing ferment because all the yeast is in suspension with all of that beer, and then I just uh, put it in the fridge and then... Well, uh, pitch it from there. So it's it's almost like bottom cropping at that point.
3: Yeah, I'm, I'm super lazy, so I bottom crop because I don't have time to like do this other stuff and pay attention and you know all that difficult stuff. So, um, but I'm, I'm surprised you're getting a liter or two of beer. You should. Uh, you will get um, some liquid because liquids bound up in in that yeast that's up up on the top. But are you getting a, like a nice large, you know, crop, uh, you know, of, of yeast up there? You're getting a, uh, you know, four inches of uh, yeast up top, or is it just like a thin layer before you start no, top cropping? It's,
8: it's a, it's a, it's a pretty thin layer. It's not like this huge. A uh, clump of yeast on top. I guess yeah. you would say it's, it's a pretty thin layer. Like I'll put the uh, collection. I use a, yeah. uh, a stainless steel uh, tube, and then it goes right on the top. And I'm getting right. a whole bunch of uh, wart with that as I right. apply the pressure. Well, what, kind of what, ye- what
3: yeast is this?
8: Uh, the
3: yeast it was one O one uh, Callel. Yeah, O one's on a great top cropper in in the homebrew right. size. Um, you know, mm-hmm. the, you know. Certain beers will, will do better on that. Uh, so that's that's part of the problem. So, you know, it, it really okay. depends on the yeast as well. If you're using something that really, um, you know, forms a giant head like this uh, this West Yorkshire yeast I get from White yeast, that'll form a giant layer of yeast on top of the beer. And then you can almost rack the beer out from under it, and that yeast will still be stuck there at the top. <laughs> I mean, the beer will be done fermenting, and the yeast is still there. So uh you know some yeasts um, you know very great top croppers, and some not so good, and it depends also on the fermentation vessel, so yeah oh one that's that's a tough one to top crop, so you are going to get some beer if you do get some beer it's it's not a big deal, um, but you know i'm I'm lazy oh one i just I just uh you know uh, recover the entire big
4: pile from the bottom. All right, thanks for the call, Alonzo. And we got time for one more question. I'll squeeze it in here. Uh, I thought it was a good question that came into the brewstrong at thebrewingnetwork.com. If you have questions to send, Danny or Kolsch Brewer in the forum wrote in, I was wondering if you could discuss whether hop additions, bittering flavor, uh, and or aroma, should be adjusted based on pellet type, uh, i.e. T45 uh, versus T90. From what I understand, he says, one type is basically a shredded hop cone, while the other removes many of the plant parts and concentrates the lupulin. What do you guys think about that?
3: Well, I thought this was an excellent question. Mm -hmm. And you gave me the opportunity to skip it until I actually knew something about this. Yeah, I did. But, uh, you know, just to show that I I really don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Everything. Everything. um, uh, You know... I imagine that it, it it does make some sort of a difference. You know everything makes a difference. every the tiniest little things in brewing actually do make a difference. Um, but you know sometimes the difference is so minor it really doesn't matter. Uh, I would not be too concerned about that, but uh, I imagine in a side-by side test, you should be able maybe there's something that would be very subtly different between the two. What do you say, John?
2: Uh, I think, yeah, go off the alpha percentage on the bag, um, and the T-90, yeah, bittering wise, probably, probably nothing, but you know, a
3: flavor and aroma and all that?
2: No, you're going to get, you're going to get less tannin, um, hop tannins in the T-90 pellets versus the T-45. Right, right. And, um, hop tannins do contribute some bitterness character to the beer. Mm Mm-hmm. Um but I would I would think it'd be a fairly subtle loss. I mean I d I don't think you're gonna miss it. Mm-hmm.
4: And I guess it's all to scale. But I would I would think that, a, that the amount of hops we use in a homebrew, we, we wouldn't notice the difference, but maybe we would notice at a Firestone Walker if he used T forty five versus T ninety. Again, I suppose it's all to scale, but it just seems to me that the difference right. would be so minimal that even with a side by side I, I I don't think I would taste it.
3: Right. You know, the, the, the reason that uh, a brewer will choose one over the other is really more based off of cost and convenience than anything else. Right. You know, in the commercial field of things.
4: This would be a good question the next time we have Brinelson in, though, who used to be yes. the top chemist. This yes. would be a great one to stick to keep around for him. That is a perfect question for me. It him. would make me sound real smart if I asked it saying it was mine. Get him know. on the phone right <laughs> now. <laughs> call now. Call him up. Yeah, Brindleson. Yeah. Yeah. Man, didn't you go to hop school up in uh, Oregon once? Yes, I did. And they didn't talk about this? <laughs> no, they didn't. <laughs> Not while you were paying attention. Brynelson was did. there, though. Yeah.
3: Did I tell you I'm gay for Brindelson?
4: <laughs> if any man
3: could turn me gay, it's Matt Brindelson.
4: Most okay. beer lovers are, I think. Oh,
8: yeah. <laughs>
3: <laughs> all right,
4: that's all the questions we have time for today, guys.
3: All right, so another great show of uh, uh, Bruce Strong and our Q&A sessions. If you like the show, if you want to see it keep going, uh, make sure you contact our sponsors, uh, uh, Blickman Engineering. Especially, you know, send them an email, tell them, hey, thanks for sponsoring the show. We got a, a new sponsor, been helping us out, uh, Grain and Grape yep. in uh, Melbourne, Australia. Great guys, uh, John Preston there. You gotta, you gotta, you know, send them an email at least, telling them, hey, thanks for sponsoring the show. It, it, it makes a difference. Also, you can help too. Uh, go to the Brewing Network store. Those items there, uh, you know, a lot of that goes to the bottom line. Get yourself a shirt, Brew Strong shirt. I'm wearing one right now, and uh, I love them. Good quality shirts, and yeah. uh, it really helps uh, support the show. Same thing for the books, the glasses, all that stuff. Uh, you're getting quality merchandise, and uh, a few of the bucks goes to uh, keep this programming on the air. So, so jump in there, and uh, you know, don't be afraid to buy uh, gifts for your wife and kids. Uh, it's quality stuff and and they'll appreciate it ages from from six months to to a uh, hundred years old brewing network gear is is absolutely appropriate and yep. don't forget just keep in mind that uh this one piece sage piece of advice daddy likes to make a little racket in the sack
6: brew strong
2: brew <laughs> strong everybody